Tonight that everything that's said and done will bring you glory and honor. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to hear, to study your word tonight. And so we ask for your leading and your guidance in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to kind of continue along the line of the theme that we've been looking at when we went through the series. We were talking about grace, but... <clears throat> You know, I know that the message of grace, at least in the minds of some, is kind of a, um, can be a controversial issue. And I think the reason that it is is because people haven't really studied it. I think they base it on what they've heard somebody else say, what somebody else has seen. But one of the things that excites me so much about it is, you know, probably three of my favorite teachers in this day are um, Joseph Prince, Creflo Dollar, and uh, Andrew Womack. And you know, one of the things that I found out about each one of those individuals, they're very strong in the message of grace, but they're very strong in preaching the need for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I so appreciate that about them because they're not ashamed. They're, not just, they're, they're just not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. And I think, you know, even in many of our, by title, Spirit-filled churches, we've become leery to talk about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And what happens when we don't have that is, is everything, gets, everything gets perverted when we don't have the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, because if you talk about trying to live by grace and you're going to do it in your own strength without your reliance upon the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be doing it with your own understanding. And that's where people come to the idea or the concept, you know, that because I'm under grace, I can do whatever I want. Well, that's not true. Because if you've got the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, he won't allow you. And I'm not talking about that in a legalistic sense. I'm talking about that in a, in a leading sense, in the way that he wants to lead us and guide us and direct our paths. And so, really to be effective as a Christian, we need the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so, that's why the title of the message tonight is The Holy Spirit, the Administrator of the New Covenant. Because if we don't have the Holy Ghost involved in it, if the Holy Spirit isn't involved in it, we have, we have the extreme because what happens is you end up with man's ideas. You end up with legalism in one extreme, or you end up with lasciviousness because you think you can do whatever you want in the other extreme, but you're not there listening to and following after the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want to talk with you tonight, is about the significance and the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. And so we've already prayed, so let's go ahead and get started here tonight. Uh, starting with Roman numeral one in your notes. If you don't have any notes, there's some on the back table, and and make sure you 
take advantage of them. You know, I always kind of wonder if it really does any good to hand out notes as to whether people really pay any attention to them or not. But uh, <clears throat> Monday night I had a uh, retirement party. <clears throat> I'm probably one of the few individuals that I know of that has had a retirement party that was sponsored by inmates in a prison. And uh, so they, they had a retirement party for me Friday or Monday night up at up at Fort Dodge and uh, um, one of the guys got up and well it's probably a month ago now maybe it's a little more than that they had a total lockdown they went for mm, we didn't get up there for at least two weeks possibly three weeks uh, because there were some gangs that were fighting and so forth and so they had a they had a total lockdown in the institution everybody was confined to their cells the one guy got up and he says, I just want you to know, Pastor, that these, these studies, these notes that you hand out are helpful because while we're in lockdown every day, I had my own Bible study. And he said, I had guys in the unit and, and or gave the impression that there were guys in the units and he just went ahead and, and taught the study that he had in the notes. So that, that made me feel good. Made me feel like there are some benefits to handing out the outlines. And so I hope you keep them and I hope you preach them uh, to somebody else because what you have is exactly what I have on my notes here tonight. And so we're going to start at Roman numeral one there. It says, when we have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, we will discover that it is not simply a relationship, that it, that it is not simply a relationship with facts and principles, but with a real person. You know, that's why I think in the lives of a lot of believers, their walk with God has become dry. It's because they have a relationship with facts and figures. Now, I, I like facts and figures. I don't know why. It's, they're just, they just kind of fascinate me. But you know what? You don't have much of a relationship with that until you realize that you have a, a personal relationship with not just with Jesus, but with the Holy Spirit. And he wants to guide us. Our lives will be profoundly affected when we hear him speak to us and we can, we can answer him. Do you realize that, that we, we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? You know, Benny Hinn, many years back, he wrote a book. And the title of the book was Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And the point of the book was that he began every day by sitting down and having a conversation with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to give him guidance and direction for that day. You know, <clears throat> we, are, we are so dependent upon the Holy Spirit, and I think oftentimes we don't realize how dependent upon him we really are. And uh, if we aren't, we need to Learn about that. Um, B there it says, as the administrator of the new covenant, the Holy Spirit wants to lead, guide, and comfort us. As the administrator of the new covenant. That means he wants to show us what that really means to each and every one of us. I think so much of the church tries to interpret the new covenant 
according to the rules and the regulations that were laid down by the old covenant. And you see, the rules and the regulations had to be laid down by the old covenant because they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we do. They, they weren't born again like we, we are. And so we now have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to guide us, to direct us, to show us the way, to counsel us. What all did I put down there? Comfort us, to counsel us, to guide us. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each of our lives. If we would but give him the opportunity to do so. To be successful in leading lives of grace, we need him to empower us. Once again, if we're doing it in our own strength, we'll get it messed up. We'll, we, we, won't, we won't use it the way that he's intended for it to be. You know, grace is, a, oh, grace is such a blessing. Aren't you, aren't you glad you got grace? Oh, thank God for grace. But you know, it really wasn't for you. It was so that you could be effective in bringing glory to God. And that happens through your life, but it also happens through your lives as you have an impact. Upon the lives of others as they see God's grace and you're graced to be able to minister to those folk to bring truth to them I just think this is a point that can get you stoned but it's true even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit so that he had success in his life isn't it interesting upon about Jesus because Jesus was the son of God before he was water baptized. He was born of a virgin. He was, he was God's beloved son who became flesh. But you know, we have no record of Jesus performing any miracles, and I don't care what the books that are not canonized say. We have no records of Jesus performing any miracles or having any tremendous impact upon the lives of others other than from the standpoint they could see that he is different you know Jesus was different we're different because we've been created in his image you know the thing about it is if we're not different we're the same <laughs> and if we're the same we're not different and so we're not going to have an impact upon the lives of people we're to have a lie, the impact on the lives of people. And the reason that we do is because we're different from the world. We're not like the world. And we ought not to be. And we've got to guard ourselves. But Jesus, he never, really, he, he never performed a miracle until that we have recorded anyway. Until after his water baptism, when the Holy Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove. dove and God spoke from heaven. And said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And from that point on, Jesus, you know, went from there to the wilderness. God supernaturally took care of him in the wilderness. He resisted the devil. Proved that he was prepared for the battle that was before him. Went to the uh, wedding feast, turned water into wine. And uh, from that point forward, we, we see miracles uh, throughout his ministry. But it began as he yielded to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit began to guide and direct his life. Now if Jesus needed that, how much more do you and I need that in our lives if we're going to be, going to be effective 
for the glory of God. You know, <clears throat> one of the things that I appreciate about your, your new pastor that's going to be um, um, thrown into the water in a couple of weeks, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the name, when, when he's uh, installed. installed. That's, that's a really tough word to come up with. <clears throat> you know, but, but, you know, because, you know, the last two months we've had a lot of times talk and, and he believes in the importance and the significance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Am I right or am I right? I thought I was right. You know, and so I, I, from that standpoint, I know that I'm leaving you in good hands because I don't want Abundant Life to be a, just another church. I want Abundant Life to be a, a powerful church that has the move of the Holy Ghost, that is willing to allow God to have his plan and his purpose fulfilled here in the earth through us. But you know, that's true for each and every one of us that we have to make that same decision in our life. You know, let's not become, um, well, let's go here. Let's not become lukewarm. You know what lukewarm is? Lukewarm is room temperature. Lukewarm room temperature is affected by its environment. Rather than have the environment affect us, let us have an impact, an effect upon the environment that we live in. But I'll, I, I, yeah, I'll guarantee you this. You will not do it without the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he reveals to us those truths that are so needful in our life. And, and when he gives us that direction, it's just absolutely going to be amazing. The Holy Spirit guides us in our Christian walk. He administers favor. He guides us so that we, we have favor. It's, it's not a, just a matter of us earning it. You know, you have favor because of who you are. You have favor because you're a child of God. And so we ought to expect favor. And because of that favor, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us so that we have success. And that's what this spirit of grace that we've talked about so much. That's what this spirit of grace does. It works that success that God wants in our lives. He works that out within us. Well, let's look at a scripture tonight. Amen? Amen. That's always a good idea. So let's look at Matthew, the, or not Matthew, Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And uh, let's look at the 26th verse. And it says, for if, sin, for if we sin willingly, after we have received well, I don't want 26, I want 29. That is a nice verse, but it's not the one that I want. Verse 29. Of how much more uh, worse punishment do you suppose will he who though uh, thought worthy, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing, and insults the spirit of grace. <clears throat> I don't know about you, when I read that, I do not want to trample underfoot the blood of the covenant. I do not want to trample underfoot the spirit of grace. 
And you know, how, how, do we, how do we trample underfoot the spirit of grace or the blood of the covenant? We do that by not recognizing what Jesus has truly done for us. That's how we do it. By not recognizing what Jesus has done for us. We come up with all of our reasonings why it doesn't, why it doesn't apply to us today. Why it's not just as simple as the Bible says it is. You know, you've heard me say this many times over the years. The biggest problem with the gospel is it's too simple. If there was something we could do, if there was just something I could do to earn it, we'd be so much more comfortable with it. But we can't. Because Jesus is all, has done it all. All we can do is cooperate with him. And that's what the Holy Spirit has come alongside us to do. To help us, to lead us, to guide us so that we can cooperate with everything that Jesus has done for us. Let me read the last part of that verse out of the Amplified. And it says, thus profane it, insulting and outraging uh, the Holy Spirit, who imparts grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God. He imparts God's favor and unmerited favor, that unmerited favor and blessing in our life. And that's why we as believers, we can testify, we can claim with boldness and confidence, I am blessed. Well, pastor, sometimes it doesn't look like you're very blessed. Doesn't matter how it looks. I'm blessed. Because he says that I'm blessed. And so I walk in the blessings of God. I have the favor of God in my life. And so there's, a, there's an expectation. I, I mean, I'm so blessed. I get blessed, but I'm not even expecting to get blessed. You know, Becky wanted to do a little shopping this afternoon. So being the wonderful husband that I am, I drove her to Des Moines. And, uh, you're welcome, honey. And, and so, you know, and, and, you know, Jordan Creek, you know, Jordan Creek is one step above hell. Amen? Yeah. yeah. Just, just one step, you know, not two, not three, one step, you know, but, you know, being the wonderful husband that I am, you know, I just says, well, you know, it's cold outside and mama, it's cold outside. And, and so I, I, I let her off at the door because I knew I was going to have to drive all the other way around the parking lot to find some place and then come stumbling in because I'm wore out because I had to walk so far. Well, I took the first turn. You know that, that first turn after you drive through the front there? The second space. I mean, nobody had pulled out of it or anything. It was just sitting there for me. Now, thank God. You know, but see, you know, you can call that whatever you want. I call it favor. You know, I mean, deliverance from hell. You know, we get out of there that quick. You know, and so th that's the God that we serve. And, and so even when we don't expect it, we, we get blessing, we get favor from God because he, he loves us so much. John, the 16th chapter, 7th through the 9th verse, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, now this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And they've just spent three, three and a half years walking with Jesus, seeing the miracles. 
Never having to be hungry or anything because when there wasn't the food, what did he do? You know, he fed the 5,000, he fed the 7,000. They saw things that humanity had never imagined even being able to see. They had seen that for three and a half years. And now Jesus says to them, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Can you just imagine what's got to be going through their minds? How are we going to survive without you? We've been totally dependent upon you for these three, three and a half years. You're telling me that it's, it's to my advantage, it's to our advantage that you go away. But then he goes on and he tells them why. He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will uh, convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. You know, and so he says, I'm going to I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he's going to be there and and things are going to be even better than they are now. And we look at it and we think, how could things possibly be better? Because wherever we go, the Holy Spirit goes. Doesn't matter how many of us are in this room. We can go totally our separate ways when we walk out of this building. And even though we may be in a car physically by ourselves, we're never alone. Because the Holy Spirit is always there. And the significance of us understanding that is to realize that he's always there to guide us, to direct us, to counsel us, to lead us into truth. You know, I think it's so, in, so interesting in religion, we hear all the time that the primary responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin. His primary responsibility to the world is to convict them of sin. And the reason that he convicts the world of sin is so they realize that they need a savior. That's his job. And so he's not, he's not there convicting you and I of sin. Because you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need anybody to convict you of sin. Because you know it. Because you're, a, you're alive to the things of God. Every time, every time you mess up, you know it. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I know that it's true. Because that's what happens. We know right from wrong. And the Holy Spirit is there not to convict us of sin, but to show us the way that we can experience the victory that belongs to us through Christ Jesus. But notice what it says. Convict the world of sin and of righteousness. You know what the world doesn't know? They don't know that right standing with God is even available to them. And that's why as born-again believers, one of the greatest privileges we've ever been entrusted with is to share the gospel with somebody and see them reconciled to God. For them to realize, I'm no longer separated from God, but now I have right standing with God. We have that, that privilege, that honor to be able to do that. And the Holy Spirit is here to equip us so that we can do that job and we can do it effectively. The, Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit has already come. And this is what I want, you, want to assure you of. He'll never leave you. It tells us in Hebrews 13, 5. 
Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has come. I will never leave you. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that good news? To know that the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. You know, we might try to walk away from him, but he'll never walk away from us. You know, over the years, I've had a lot of inmates that have come up to me and they said, well, pastor, I think maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin. And I said, no, you haven't. And they said, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I have done. You know, I, I, I think I might have committed the unpardonable sin. I said, no, you haven't. And he said, they say, well, how do you know that I haven't? And I said, because you're here. Because if you had committed the, whole, the, the unpardonable sin, that means that the Holy Spirit would have left you. There would be no conviction in your life. And if there's no conviction in your life, there would no, be no reason for you to be here because you would see absolutely no need for it. But you're here tonight under the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's not telling you you've committed. Yourself, you are telling you you've committed. But the Holy Spirit is here tonight to assure you that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he wants nothing but the best for you. He wants success for you. That's what the Holy Spirit has come for. And that's what he's still wanting to accomplish in your life, in my life today, because so many of us are still in that place where we question and we doubt what, the, what God has truly accomplished for us through the new covenant and through the message of grace. But the Holy Spirit has come to reveal to us what has truly been accomplished through that covenant of grace that the victory is ours, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that he wants to meet every one of our needs, that by the stripes of Jesus we have been healed, that we are delivered from the bondage of the evil one. That's what he wants to reveal to us. That's why this message is so important. The message of grace is so important, but we can never leave out the working of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that reveals it to us. Otherwise, it's just a man's idea. It was T.L. Osborne, I believe, that I heard make this statement. He said, you know, Christianity, if you, he said, if you remove the supernatural from Christianity, you just simply have another man's philosophy. You know, I, was, I did an interview today, and, and as I was going through it, I was thinking about it, you know, they're asking, you know, about what I preach and, you know, different things like that. And, uh, you know, there, there are some things I didn't say either because, you know, I chose not to. But, you know, as, I, as I'm doing this, I'm thinking, I am, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not being arrogant here, okay? But, I am so confident in what Jesus has done for me. No one can ever convince me otherwise. And the reason that no man can convince me otherwise was I may have initially heard it through a man, but it was settled in my spirit by the Holy Spirit. And so the reason man can't change my 
conviction on it was because I never got it from man in the first place. That's what Paul said. Remember Paul says when he's talking about the message that he had, he says, I didn't get this from man. He talked about the fact that he is separated with, and God revealed it to him. And what was it, three years he was away from folk and he came back. But the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Remember what Peter said about Paul? He says, you know, this stuff that Paul, this is Schroeder's paraphrase. He says, this stuff that Paul preaches, it's, it's, stuff, it's tough stuff to handle. But why was Paul so convinced? Because he didn't get it from man. He got it from God. How can you be so convinced that by his stripes you've been healed? That no weapon formed against you shall prosper? That your needs are met according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus? That how? Through the Holy Spirit. Because he wants to reveal it. And when he reveals it, it's you know, we talk about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He wants to seal these truths in our lives so that we don't ever let go of them. What happens is we end up <clears throat> building upon them. And so the Holy Spirit is so important. Let's look at another scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, in the 28th verse. This is Roman numeral three, and it says, The Holy Spirit works in us to change our mindset and align our wills with God's will. We've talked about this in the past. But I want to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says, So also Christ was offered once for all times as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who, eagerly, who are eagerly waiting for him. He's going to come back, but it isn't, a, it isn't a sin issue. Sin's no longer an issue in your life. Because Jesus dealt with it. Well, does that mean I can go out and do whatever I want? No, because you've got the Holy Ghost in your life, and as long as you listen to him, he'll never lead you astray. He'll never lead you into sin. But sin is no longer the issue because sin was taken care of through Jesus. And so we need to have that, that confidence, that assurance. <clears throat> there, there needs to be this, this change in our thinking because... You know, Brother Copeland talked about having a sin consciousness and how we need to change that sin consciousness to a righteousness consciousness. Because whatever you focus on, whatever you dwell on, is, that's the direction you're going to be pulled. And so if you're constantly thinking about sin, have I, have I done this, have I done that, have I done the other thing, it, it dominates and it controls your life. It pulls you in that direction. But when we have a righteousness consciousness and we think about how I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus has done for me and because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and part of the new covenant and the spirit of grace is working in my life to make available to me peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, 
long-suffering, all those things that I need in life, that's already been made available to me through Christ Jesus. As I focus on that, that's the direction that I'm going to be pulled. The world wants us to get, a, to, to get us to focus on hate. Yeah, I watched the news for 10 minutes tonight, and I just wanted to punch somebody. You know, why? Because it's full of hate. That's what the world is full of. It's full of hate. And so what are we going to dwell on? Are we going to dwell on hate? Are we going to dwell on sin? Are we going to dwell on the completed works of Jesus and what he's accomplished in each of our lives? Whatever we choose, that's the direction that we're going to be pulled. And see, we choose. We choose. We make, we make the de decision as to what our mindset is going to be, whether we, we like it or not. We choose. What are we going to think on? You know, <clears throat> we no longer have the excuse, I can't help myself. Because you have the Holy Ghost. And so you can. In Philippians 2.13, New Living Again. For God is working in you. God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Giving you the desire and the power. Thank God He's given us both. Could you imagine having the desire to do the right thing but absolutely can't? Or to have the power to do the right thing, but you don't have the desire. And you say, that's where a lot of Christians are, is they have the power, but they don't have the desire. And that's where God wants to intervene in our lives, where the Holy Spirit comes into play. He wants to change our want to. You know, it's easy to when you want to. Amen. The hard part is when you don't want to. That's what makes stuff tough. But he wants to give us the want to, and then he gives us the power to be able to fulfill it, to do it. He doesn't just leave us out there on, okay, now you've got the desire, it's up to you. Well, listen to me. That's the law. You know, I can remember as a, just a practicing sinner, wanting to do the right thing, but it's like I couldn't. I mean, even after I was born again, I wanted to, but I didn't realize that I had the power in me to, to allow me to be able to accomplish the things that God wanted to work through me. And so we don't just simply have the desire, we also have the power. You know, remember Brother Hagin years back, he talked about how he was in a, before a meeting, is in the back room and they were praying and the preacher in the room, there were like three or four of them, but the one preacher was praying, he was praying, oh Lord, oh Lord, we need you to do something, Lord. Oh, some way, somehow, some way, somehow, oh God, do something, some way, somehow. And Brother Hagin said, I just want to tell him to shut up. He said, Jesus is the way and the Holy Ghost is the how-to. That's not the problem. And see, that's how it is in each and every one of our lives. We've got the way, 
and we've got the how-to. We've got Jesus, and we've got the Holy Ghost in our life, and that's why the scripture says there is absolutely nothing that's impossible because we're in Christ Jesus and because of what he has done and is doing in our life. In Psalms 37, 4, we're all familiar with this verse. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And you know, I think oftentimes we look at that and we think of it from the standpoint of material things. But he's not talking about material things here. He's talking about the desires of our heart, the desires to serve him, the desires to fulfill his plan here in the earth. And he says that if we'll delight in him, if we'll focus on him, if we'll look to him. You know what happens when we begin to delight in him? We begin to want to please him. You know, our will is five years old and we delight in will. He's so funny. Just, you want that? It's, it's yours. We delight in him. You know, that's what we need to do in the Lord. Do we enjoy him? Uh, it's my five-minute prayer time. I can do this. I don't think that's delighting in him. Now, when we delight in somebody, we want to come into his presence. We want to come into there. We, 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 we want to spend time there. And he says that when we delight in him, because we enjoy our time with him, he grants us the desires of the heart. And part of that is, is because our desires change. When we delight in him, the number one thing we want to do is, is to be pleasing to him. And so it changes what we want to do, what we want, to, want our lives to be, what we want to accomplish. In John, the 15th, 14th, 15th chapter, the 7th verse, it says, Jesus again is speaking. And he says, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Well, why is that? Because what we will desire is what he desires for us. It absolutely changes everything. And how does that happen? By abiding in him. By allowing his word to remain in us, abide in us, take up residence in us. And when we do, it says we can ask whatever we want because we're going to be asking according to his will, according to his purpose, according to his plan. <clears throat> you know, I don't know about you, the longer I've been saved, the things that I pray have changed a whole lot. The desires, the things that I long for, they've changed a whole lot uh, because I've allowed him and his word to abide in me. The Holy Spirit convinces us of God's love for us by fulfilling multiple roles or many roles, or many needs. He convinces us. We need to be convinced 
that God loves us. There's a lot of people that say, oh, God, God is love. God loves me. They're not really convinced of it. We need to be convinced of his love for us because the moment that we are convinced of his love, there's a whole segment of this world that is, the door to it is just totally shut because it has no access to us because that love, knowing his love, overrides all of it. You know, we want change in our life. The number one way is to recognize his love for us and things begin to change abruptly. Um, Romans 4.25, New Living Again. He has handed over, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. I like that. He died for my sin, but he was raised to life to make me right with God. I'm right with God. We have, we don't have any falling out. I'm right with God. No, that's because you're a preacher. No, it's because I'm a believer. And it isn't based on me. It's based on him. Because if it was based on my perfection, I would be in trouble. But he loves me. And I'm convinced of that. And so in closing, we'll go through this real quickly. There are five attributes of the Holy Spirit that will produce his will for our lives. Five attributes. We'll go through these real quickly. The Holy Spirit is a teacher who imparts knowledge. You know, we have to have information. And so the Holy Spirit is a teacher. He imparts that information. But he doesn't just impart it as as head knowledge, he imparts it so that it's, it's living. It, it truly affects our life. He promises to instruct us, to help us, to navigate the path he wants us to follow. And so when he gives us the information, it isn't, here it is, do something with it. He helps us navigate it. He shows us how to use it, how to apply it in our life. John 14, 26. This is Jesus again when he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says, But when the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You know, I used to be concerned because, you know, I'm not really good at memorizing. And so what am I going to do when I need something but I haven't got it memorized because I tried to memorize it and I just couldn't get it memorized. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't memorize. I think it's a good thing. But you know what? He'll bring it back to your remembrance. The moment that you need it for whatever situation it may be in, he'll bring it to your remembrance. You know, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit because there are times we're in, when we're in crisis, our mind is, is, is scattered. It's all over the place. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit to give, us, to give us direction, because he can bring us back to that place. You remember the time that I shared with you when I was in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and 
I'm in the back of this taxi and, you know, this fear is trying to rise up in my life because, you know, I was supposed to have been in the, ho in the hotel in five or ten minutes and, you know, we're 25 minutes down the road and I have no clue where I'm at. We're driving through this ghetto part of a town, a city of 10 million people. And I grew up in Sioux Valley. We had six. You know, and so, you know, this fear is trying to come against me. And while this fear is trying to come against me, all of a sudden on the inside of me, I hear, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I just relax and it says, yes. I thank you, Father, that I can trust you. I believe I'm here because of your call. And so you know what I'm doing. You know where I'm at. So I'm going to expect to get to that hotel when I need to be there. But I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride and, and, and see parts of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Probably no other American has seen. And, you know, I guess I made it. But what would have happened if I would have allowed fear to overtake me? Probably would have done something stupid and said, stop the taxi, got off, got left, and I'd still be lost. No, he wants to speak to us. He wants to teach us. But you know what? <clears throat> it's hard to bring to your remembrance something you've never heard. That's why it's so important that we, we study the Word of God, that we read the Word of God. Because even though we may not be able to claim chapter and verse, we may not be able to speak out chapter and verse, he can bring to our remembrance what the scripture says. You know, <clears throat> the chapter and verse numbers are not part of the canon. They were added for our sake so that we can be able to study. So you may not know Philippians 4.19. the numbers, but you can know the verse. And you know what? It has the same impact even, even if you can't find it. Because eventually you will. And it'll just confirm it to you even more. So, the Holy Spirit is a teacher to impart knowledge. The Holy Spirit is a uh, corrector when we need improvement or refinement. You know what? He wants to refine it. He he shows us the direction. He keeps us in love and out of self-centeredness. Have you ever noticed this? When you get away from the things of God, you immediately, <clears throat> well, maybe, I, it's, maybe it's just me. I am immediately drawn back to self-centeredness. What does that mean? Me. I become the center of my world once again. It all becomes about me. He wants to steer us away from that. He wants to keep us in love. Because if we're in love, our focus is going to be on Him. And if our focus is on Him, the next thing is it will always be on everybody else. It won't be about me. It will be about others. He keeps us in love and out of self-centeredness, which is the key um, to bitterness. Why do people get bitter? Because they think about self. God doesn't want us there. He wants us thinking of others. Why? Because it keeps us free. Number three, the Holy Spirit is the director 
who knows exactly what we need to do in order to carry out God's plan for our lives. He knows exactly what we need to do. We can claim we do, but we don't. Because he can, it, it cannot, everything's subject to change. He, he knows. He is our unseen partner responsible for our success. And you know what? When he's responsible for our success, he's going to guarantee our success. He's going to make sure that we're successful. God is a scribe for us to follow. The Holy Spirit is the dictator of the scribe. What's the scribe? That's the word of God. It's been given to us, the script. It's been given to us. The Holy Spirit is the, is the director. You know, <clears throat> years back, there's a couple of you, but most of you would have never heard this teaching because you weren't around then. But I taught a teaching, and it was, you know, it was like, uh, I think it was eight or ten weeks. I taught on, the, uh, on agreement and the power of agreement. And one of the things that I talked about when I, when I talked about uh, the power of agreement, you know, is that, you know, when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and so forth, that, it, that, it's, that it's like an orchestra. And so you have an orchestra and you have to have the instruments. We're those instruments. But if, if the instruments are going to make harmony, there, there has to be a, a, the music sheets, the script. And we all have to have the same script and we've got to be willing to follow the script. But you know what? Even though you've, you've got the same music up here on a, on a Sunday morning, if, if, they don't, if they don't follow it the same, I mean, if they don't start at the same time or whatever it may be, it's, it's chaos. Branded, be chaos. But, but what, what, is, what does an orchestra have? It has a director. And what does the director do? Everybody's looking at their music, but at the same time, they're looking at the director. And what does the director do? He directs them in the way that they should go, when they should be louder, when they should be quieter, when they should begin, when they should stop. Which instrument is to play right now and which one isn't supposed to? And that's what the Holy Spirit is in our life. We have the script. We have the music sheet. We have it right in front of us. But the Holy Spirit is here to direct us, to keep us on the path so that we, so that we use it properly. And so that we're able to, as a people, make harmony with one another. Because in the scripture where it talks about where two or three agree is touching anything, if you study that word, I believe it's the word agree there. If you study it out in the Greek, I don't remember what the Greek word is. But it's a, it's a musical term. And it's talking about being harmonious with one another. And so when we begin to talk about being in agreement scripturally, we're not just talking about Pastor Isaac and I being on agreement on something. No, we're in harmony with one another. And that's how it is to be with the body. Well, you know, okay, I'll agree with that. No, it's talking about us being in harmony with one another and in flowing with one another. And making, you know, that's what a church is supposed to do. It's to make beautiful music together. And I'm not talking about the worship. I'm talking about our lives. 
It's to make beautiful music together. And that's what happens when we rely upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a planner. You know, we talk about the prophet Jeremiah. God gave him a plan. And it was the Holy Spirit that showed him how to carry out that plan, to fulfill that plan. And that same Holy Spirit wants to do that in each of our lives. He wants to give us a plan, but he doesn't want to just give us a plan and say, go do it. He wants to give us a plan and then he wants to show us how to carry it out. Why? So that it's successful. And then the final one, number five, the Holy Spirit is a deliverer. We must let God deliver us, not ourselves, not our friends, not our resources. We look to heaven for deliverance. That's where our deliverance comes. And he brings it about and he fulfills it in our lives. The importance, the significance of the Holy Spirit. I know we're, you know, it's, it's like in the church world you see a cycle. You know, and of course the thing is what goes around comes around and eventually rises up again. But you know what? We don't have to, we don't have to allow it to fall by the wayside. You know, that's why the charismatic renewal rose up. Is because everybody was forgetting about the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's interesting in the day that we're in. <clears throat> you can talk about Jesus, and most churches, they won't get too upset if you talk about Jesus. Some will, but most won't. But you begin to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your midst. And all of a sudden, people begin to get uncomfortable. Why? Because when you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit and you have, begin to have expectations of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's no longer just talk. It's no longer just about head knowledge. Because the Holy Spirit will never settle for head knowledge. Because he will always direct us, he will continue to encourage us that we, we take that from our head, that we get it down in our heart, and we begin to utilize it for the good of humanity. Because after all, that's what we're here for. We're here for the good of humanity. Amen? Well, I'm done. Two minutes early. Praise the Lord. I could have let you talk out there for two more minutes. God's wonderful, isn't he? So, Father, we thank you tonight for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you, Jesus, that you did not abandon us. But when you went to heaven, you fulfilled your promise. You kept your promise. And your precious Father sent us the Holy Spirit. We're so grateful. We're so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit living within us to lead us, to guide us. And so tonight we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory because you are so worthy of it. And we want you, by your precious Holy Spirit, to lead us, to guide us, that with each of our lives we might fulfill the plan that you have. And as we do that, harmoniously, all of us in unison together will fulfill 
the plan that you have for this church and for this community and ultimately for the world. And so we want you to have your way. And we choose tonight, Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. Have a great evening.